Welcome to Sneaker Dads, I'm John Ratner. This is episode 36, or part 2 with Bobito Garcia, aka Cool Bob Love. If you missed last week's episode, part 1 with Bobito, go back and have a listen. He had a lot of great stories and perspectives he shared. Let's get into it. Let's take it back a, li- a-, a long way, actually. I want to <laughs> hear, because we talked about kind of what's going on now. You talked about your various projects, and I'm glad we did. But, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, because we touched on it a little bit with, with, with basketball and how, you know, and anyone who's read your books or, or uh, watched your documentaries or listened to your talk should know this, but um, about the importance of basketball in your life. And, and how it relates to sneakers and music. I mean, they're inseparable in your life, are, are they not? Yes and no. I mean, you know, they're, they're uh, a point can be made. I mean, not everybody who plays basketball loves music. Um, and not everybody who plays basketball loves hip hop. I mean, case in point, when I interviewed Michael Jordan, uh, you know, from my Buy Magazine comment, and I, and I expressed this in, in a scene uh, contained in my last documentary, Rock Rubber 45s. But uh, Michael Jordan didn't know who Rock Kim was, and he said he didn't listen to, to rap, which shocked a lot of people. Um, but, you know, he loves black music. I mean, loves jazz, loves R&B, loves soul. Um, and he's older than us, you know, so he, there's people my age don't love hip hop, you know, came up in the hip hop era, not a part of it. So, you know, there's another nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it's surprising, you know, for sure. Um, but that said, I mean, you know, my, all my lifelong friends, you know, have similar interests in me with me. And, you know, most of them are, I met through ball, you know, I got my job at Def Jam because of basketball, you know, first and foremost, like I play ball, I got cool with Mark Pearson and played for Riverside Church, one of the top teams in the, in the world uh, in the early 80s. And uh, he got cool with Pete Nice because they both played ball and they played at Columbia and Pete wound up getting signed to Def Jam with MC Search, who loved basketball um, and, uh, and sneakers. And, you know, we all used to hang out. We all had a lot of similar things in common. And then that's why I got the job, the job at Def Jam, you know. If I didn't play ball and hadn't met Mark Pearson, perhaps I don't get the job at Def Jam, you know? And then my rep in the hip hop industry grew exponentially because I could play ball. You know, I would go to like exhibition games or industry events and I would just destroy people, you know, (laughs) especially those who would talk shit. And, um, you know, and it helped, you know, it helped. It helped the way people looked at me, the way people interpreted me. Um, and then my sneaker game was impeccable on top of that, you know, customizing shoes, like, you know, wearing colors that no one had, weren't available, you know, catching the eye, De La Soul, uh, at events, you know, like, yo, what kind of, what kind of sneakers are those? Where'd you get those? Like, you know, all these things, like, you know, played hand in hand in formative years. And then, you know, eventually Nike gets wind of who I am and, and then, you know, my my career in that space really, you know, starts to unfold um, with multiple brands, with multiple platforms. 
And uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because, you know, I say this all the time. Look, <laughs> I'm not a platinum recording artist. I'm not a former NBA athlete, but I've done sneaker collabs with Nike, Adidas, Prokeds, Puma, Piola, and K1X. Like, who can say that? You know, I mean, it's like probably a handful of people who can say that. And, you know, not sneaker shop related. I'm just talking about like, you know, people known for sneakers. So, you know, I'm forever, forever cognizant that my trajectory in sneaker culture is abnormal, you know, and what I've built for myself, I've earned, you know, through a lot of research, a lot of tenacity, a lot of hard work, and by creating my own good luck. But it all goes back to basketball all goes back to basketball. I wouldn't become a DJ if it wasn't for basketball. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just everything is basketball. I want to ask when you got with the Rocksteady crew, when you guys were doing your thing, that was, that was, I know the timelines are all come together, but I mean, is that a different crew than the crew that you're playing ball with? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I right. mean, it was there was only one member of Rocksteady uh, named Woody, who who played ball regularly, pick up at the GOAT, a.k.a. Rock City Park, yeah. where we all grew up. Um, but yeah, Crazy Legs not a ball player. I mean, he, he loves baseball. Uh, Ken Swift and Doe's used to play football against my, my building um, back in 1977 when they were like 11 years old. Uh, so I knew, I knew them like really early on, um, you know, uh, but, you know, when we would do Rock City Career Anniversaries in the 90s, we would always have a basketball element where one year Nike came in and they were doing a citywide three-on-three and they, they did the Manhattan qualifier during the Rock City Career Anniversary at the park, which was amazing. I think that was 94. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like a lot of, uh, you know, I expressed this in my first film, doing it in the park pick up basketball NYC when I interviewed Crazy Legs with Rock City Crew. And he shared that, you know, a lot of the early hip hop jams were in famous playground basketball courts. You know, like there was a synergy, you know, there was an energy that was permeating out of the asphalt uh, in the city in open social spaces, you know, because both existed with a lack of resources. In basketball, you don't need a lot of resources to play. You just need a ball, right? I've been to uh, developing areas in Africa, Asia, Latin America, where kids play barefooted, no socks. I've seen it, you know? So you really just need a ball. You don't even need a net or rim or backboard. You could just, you know, work on your handle. So that's why the sport is so special to me. Um, but yeah, man, it all goes back to basketball. But your rock steady crew, I didn't, I didn't get put down uh, until '91, and not even as a dancer. It was more like I was a contributor to 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 hip hop culture, and um, and Crazy Legs recognized that uh, through the radio show I was doing with Stretch, and he also knew that um, bringing like my audience and following to the Rock City crew for the anniversaries would be beneficial to everybody involved. Cause we had, me and Stretch had a younger audience. 
uh, Rocksteady had like their 70s and 80s audience. Um, we were like steeply uh, steeped in the 90s um, and all the new and up, up and coming artists. So uh, it was a good, good meeting of minds, you know, when we started collaborating for sure. Yeah, you know, the 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 culture of the early 80s, I can only imagine, you know, what it was like in New, in New York. You don't have to go very far to to find the B-boys beside the court and, <laughs> and it's all there, right? I mean, you don't have to you don't have to travel across across town assuming if you, assuming you start out in the right place, right? Well, I mean, it, it depended on on the borough and yeah. depending on the locale. Yeah. Um, you know, at one point Rock said he had like about 500 members um throughout all the boroughs and the meeting point was Rocksteady Park um on 99th and Amsterdam which was uh illuminating for the hip-hop community but at the same time it was known as the goat named after Earl Manning goat who was a playground legend so it meant like something completely different to the basketball community than it did to the hip-hop community and, they, and these two coexisted, which is the beauty of, of how I grew up. I'm so thankful for that. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you could go outside and see people breaking in front of your building or breaking in the hallway, but that doesn't, you know, it wasn't everywhere, you know, there were neighborhoods that were less hip hop than others for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about a little bit of your time at Def Jam and uh, obviously people can, uh, can read up on or and, and and research this on their own, but I want to talk about how sneakers were part of that time. I mean, you you were working there. You were an intern. I think you started there, and then you, you know you you made. I was never an intern. I was a paid employee. Oh my my. That's okay. I, I started out as a messenger though, making five dollars an hour. Okay. Uh, and that's documented in my last film, Rock Rubber Forty Fives, which yeah. again can be viewed on uh, Vimeo, YouTube, uh, etc. Um, you go to Rock Rubber Forty Fives com for information and see the trailer and all that but um but yeah I, I started out as a messenger so what were what do you I'm sure you remember you seem to have a, a great memory of all these things but in terms of what people were wearing in terms of you know what it must have been a you know very monumental place where you saw things happening things things you you didn't see before or people were were rocking stuff and exposing the world to things that they hadn't seen yet or or and, and really caring about what they were wearing right yeah yeah um yeah i mean you know when i got there i gotta give it to uh to pete nice and fc search at third base because you know i mean when i first met them pete nice in 87 pete nice had on low cut uh air force ones all green with a white swoosh which was in possible to find at that age, at that in in the in that day impossible i mean he got him at drew man's up in the bronx which was like uh, a nickname that uh wasn't derogatory I, I think uh rosie's dry goods called themselves drew man's and that's how i started i think i don't know the whole history behind that um but uh the, the actual name of the store was rosie's dry goods they were up on southern boulevard and um but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and and search uh, through Mark Pearson, um, who was their road manager, uh, put him up on what we call the Air Force Zeros. The Air Force One that dropped first 
did not have an all other upper, it had a nylon mesh uh, um, a reinforcement um, right in the middle of the upper, uh, behind the gray swoosh. And it had a different swoosh too. Um, so, you know, those were the Air Force Ones as well, but we started calling them the Air Force Zeros because the Air Force Ones that everybody's, you know, caught, uh, got up on and the ones that took off in hip hop were had the all leather upper um, with the perforated uh, toe box. The Air Force Zeros did not have a perforated toe box. So very subtle differences. It was a skinnier swoosh. It wasn't as sexy as the, the, the swoosh. So had Nike not changed the model, it may not have ever taken off as a fashion statement in hip hop. Interesting, right? Anyway, search cop the Air Force Zeros uh, for like, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks. He bought like 10 pairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like this little shop in Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I can't speak for much of the other Def Jam artists when it came to their sneaker game. I would say just based on those two sneakers that Pete and Search owned, like they didn't have any competition uh, at Def Jam. Um, and, uh, but um, EPMD had a nice sneaker game, if I remember correctly. Uh, Rakim had a nice sneaker game. He wasn't on Def Jam, but he was on part of Rush Artist Management. And uh, like 92, 93, uh, Def Jam and Rush were both in the same building, 298 Elizabeth Street, right off of Houston. Um, so, uh, yeah, th those were good days, you know, good days. But, you know, not every rap artist had a, had a swift sneaker game, you know. <laughs> there were some artists that wore some whack shit, too. <laughs> and gear, too, were they not? Because I remember. I mean, you know, the gear, you know, the, 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 you know people would take a chance to come to the 90s because... You know, it was it was a uh, it was a nice change, right? Like people want to like hold on to the '80s, but want to let it go as well. You know, I'm sure you remember the song "Take It Off" by De La Soul, where they were making like a really strong st statement about like, all right, you know, we're entering a new age. You know, you don't have to call it the Daisy Age, but you know, let's try to be progressive. And you know, I like that mindset. That's that's the beauty of hip hop. Always trying to evolve. Um, so, you know, people took chances and not all of them were, were great and not all, not all of them stayed, you know, Biggie made fun of Kwame for the polka dots, you know, that, that lasted a quick minute. Um, but, you know, it was cool for Kwame, you know, in the time that he did it, I, I didn't jump into the whole polka dot thing, but I remember the polka dot. You know, I had friends that, that did and I didn't, I didn't make fun of them. I was like, oh, cool. Like, do you, you know? What about Different. a year? What what about in your radio station days? Did sneakers play a role in there? Was it was it more the music? It was more laser focused, and you wouldn't pay attention to what anyone was wearing, necessarily. I mean, I, I would have paid attention because I I am who I am, right? Um, but you do have to remember that, you know, we were on air from one a.m. to five a.m. So, you know, I say like two or three times a week, people hit me up like, "Yo, what was that demo that y'all played in '95?" <laughs> so I don't remember. Like, come on. <laughs> You know how I many demos we played in that day? You know, test pressings, records. Like, yo, you played this record and the chorus was like, do 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 do. Do you remember that record? Like, <laughs> nah, B, I was half asleep, man. It was hard. It was a hard 12 years doing volunteer work for four hours. You know, it was really like a seven hour commitment, you know, getting records ready, 
you know, going up there, booking artists. I mean, it was more, it was more than that. Probably like a 10, 15 hour week, you know, doing a show on a volunteer basis you know, and, and then taxing my brain and my body because I'd be so tired. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't remember any standout moments uh, for sneaker, for any artists coming up to the show with like some amazing sneakers that I was just like, wow. I mean, generally nobody was, not just talk, talking shit, but like, nobody was gonna like outdo me at, at my show. Like, just wasn't gonna happen, <laughs> you know. And they were there for business and you guys had to deal with letting people in, people knocking down the door, security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I will say that, um, you know, Peace of Raekwon, a chef who uh, came to the radio show a number of times, used to listen to the show uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I was fortunate to be the first person to play uh, a Wu-Tang record. Uh, they brought it to test pressing. Uh, that's documented in, in their film uh, of Mikes and Men, which I think is on HBO or Showtime. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Raekwon years later did did a, 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 a an incredible song called "Sneakers" on his album "A Mobility." And when he was in the studio recording, he called me up. He's like, "Yo, Bob, man, yo, you my man, yo, you know so much about sneakers, you know, I, I know you know, like, yo, yo, tell me some brands that I'm forgetting about." And I was like, "Oh, you could, you could put a Les, you could put Etonic, you could put." Um, uh, 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 New Balance, you could put Patrick, you could put, um, you know, of course, the obvious ones, Nike, Adidas, Converse, Prokes, Puma, uh, Reebok. He's like, yo, word, yo, yo, word, oh, snap, yo, word, word, yo, um, you know, eight, eight, Tiger A6, yo, word, oh, yo, bye, yo, good look at me. And I just kept on going on and on. It's just everything was just, was just like Etonics, um, uh, I, I can't remember everything else I told him, but um, Brooks, you know, he was so, so grateful. And, uh, you know, when I approached him to be interviewed for my film, Rock Rebel 45, like he did it without blinking an eye. And he gave a quote from my book too, uh, that's on the back. So, you know, props to Raekwon, man. It's just true, true dude, man. True, true dude. I guess, I guess the intersection of hip hop and sneakers wasn't maybe as forced if you want to call it maybe i'll use that word as it is now i don't know if that's fair but you know you see you see artists and they're they're doing collabs not that i'm not that i'm against them but um you know when raekwon came out with his sneakers you know he's come out with a few it seems like it was uh it was a little different than what we're seeing maybe some of the artists although he does have he did have a new one <laughs> another another no, i mean I, listen raekwon is a true sneakerhead like I'd be happy if he had a collab or if he designed a shoe himself, he deserves it, you know? Um, but, you know, we come from an era where there wasn't product, product placement for artists, you know? Um, now brands, you know, feed people sneakers because they know that they're gonna get like posts and stories and tweets and it's easy marketing for them that quite honestly, they, they don't even have to pay for just the shipping and, and, you know, the, 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 the cost to produce a shoe is nothing. You know, what, what costs a lot is the research and development and the technology, but the actual cost to make the shoe, it's, you know, it's, it's pennies, right? So 
you know, the brand benefits, the, the artist benefit because they get free sneakers. And in a lot of cases, their sneakers are not out. So it helps their branding because they look cool that they got the exclusive and, you know, like everybody's happy, you know, everybody's happy. So. Yeah, I want a little bit more of, before I let you go, if you don't mind to hear a little bit more about your insight on the culture today, because, um, you know, you're still, you're still involved. We saw you, uh, we, we see you doing music but sneaker cultures particularly you know you're you're on panels here and there and obviously the the, um the uh pandemic has changed things but we spotted you in an ald promo the other (laughs) other stuff like that and you're still obviously people you know you, you 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 sound like you're still very involved so so what's your big take on on what you're seeing i i personally see a lot of positive despite despite oh, absolutely culture and all that you know there's still people who love it i mean we're, we're here we're here talking for an hour and yeah we're having a good time now i i uh well first let me point out uh gratitude towards uh new balance times uh i i may leon dior door for um placing me in that spot that they did, um, which also featured Rafe Alston, AKA Skip to Malou, Playground Legend, you know, Sneaker Legend, you know, for what he did for the brand and one. Um, they also had Jason Williams, who was a Nike athlete. You know, me and Jason were both in the Nike Freestyle commercial uh, 20 years ago in 2001. Yeah. Um, and the ALD commercial was, a, was paying homage to that spot because it broke, you know, it, it broke records, it got critical acclaim and won awards. The one in 2001. Um, and, uh, you know, I was happy that I was in that because look, like I'm 54, you know, um, and a 20 year old kid might know who I am, might not, but, you know, they know who I'm a Leon, Leon is, And, you know, the fact that they're paying respect to me puts puts a message to a 20 year old 15 year old like oh like you know who is this dude Bobby Doki Garcia get cool Bob love like and then they might learn about my book and my films and you know my contributions and that's all beautiful so um uh but yeah I mean you know we're living in a great time man you know we are living in a great time uh I produce music with stretch um with our band, the M19s, we released a, a debut album in 2020 called No Requests. And for our first uh, concert that we got booked, um, I like really had to put a lot of thought in like, what sneakers in one way? Like, we got two sold out shows at the Kennedy Center. You know, it's like the nation's official cultural center. Um, and uh, I know there's gonna be some sneakerheads in there because, you know, it's like, I am who I am. And even though I'm doing music, but I got a number of considerations. I got a way of pair of sneakers that I can dance in, first and foremost. You know, they're going to be comfortable, light. But I also got a way of sneakers that are going to be memorable and unique because I know there's going to be some cats in there taking pictures. It always happens when I'm in public space. Like, oh, you know, it's people taking pictures of my sneakers. People ask me to sign their sneakers. Sometimes people wear, you know, sneakers I design, you know, for other brands and like they'll bring them boxed or they'll have me wearing them, take them off and be like, yo, Bob, you saw my sneakers, <laughs> you know, so I have to be prepared for it. Anyway, so I, I wound up wearing the, the, the Kyrie, uh, the Kyrie 6, I did a Nike ID with them um, and they wound up being a, a really wonderful shoe to wear that night and memorable um, because 
they, I, I uh, had them in red, white, and blue to match the Puerto Rican flag. And uh, and, and um, I went out and, and I had a solo, a dance solo during the, the song, uh, which has a lot of Latin uh, percussion in it, Afro-Latin percussion. And um, yeah, man, it's like, you know, it's like everything is just connected. It's like, I'm producing music, I'm performing. I got like one of one pair of sneakers on, you know, this is like all bliss, man. This is a beautiful moment. Yeah. Hopefully we can get back to those type of uh, days very soon. Uh, yeah, anything so else, too. anything else in store? I know that you mentioned the anniversary of the book. Is anything, you, you planning anything for that or? I don't know. We, we're, we're the 10th anniversary edition of where'd you get those New York city. So secret culture, 1960, 1987, we uh, added an introductory chapter by uh, Elliot, uh, Peter Curtis, who um, uh, basically led the first um, university level course on sneaker culture called Sneakerology 101 in 2009 with his partner um, at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Uh, my book was the main text. So I had him write something. Um, I added a chapter at the end of the book, kind of like a, a, retrospect, a retrospective of the 10 years that had passed since my book had first came out and everything that had changed since a lot had changed, you know? Um, but uh, I'm not allowed to say what we have in plan, but what we have in store for the 2023 uh, 20th anniversary edition. But I don't know if I'm up to writing anything new. Um, and luckily, like no one's challenged me on anything in the book. Like I kind of nailed it. You know, so uh, I think we just we might change up the cover a little bit and uh, and leave it at that. Well, I was you know I've I've re read it in full, but I was flipping through it with my son today when I when I oh, cool. he, when I uh, when I, he asked me um, asked me what I was doing tonight. So we were enjoying it together, and um, and obviously you're uh, you're still doing well the the show. Uh, with stretches relatively new you guys started that last year so uh well we, that's we yeah we just stretching my beat radio and apple music hits started on the very night of our 30th anniversary of broadcasting we started october 25th 1990 on wkcr 30 years later on the last thursday of october <laughs> we started our first apple music hits uh episode um and uh, that was, that was a, you know, let's talk about blessings. You know, I was, there's been a lot of losses this year with the pandemic, but, you know, some of the gains have been unthinkable. Like to, to be 30 years later still on the radio with like my best friend, you know, who I love playing music with and I love like joking around with. And we're getting paid for it during a pandemic when like I can't DJ in clubs. Like it's just, that could not have been scripted, you know? So I'm just, I'm blown away. And I'm grateful. Yeah, and it's tough for the music industry DJs, and you know people have to adapt and do what they're best. But you guys are still also, even though you're doing the show, you're still going on IG and and kind of messing around and doing that and and having some some light less serious fun, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we have a lot of fun on, on Apple. They give yeah. us uh, no uh, barriers on what to talk about. But uh, yeah, but IG IG is great in that it's spontaneous and live interaction whereas like when we're on apple like there's no chat room to go w with at least not yet you know 
when we're on IG Live, there's like people leaving comments, asking records about the songs, and we can respond immediately right back, which is like really, really, it's it's enthralling. It's the one thing that gives me the sense of it being in a club or being at an outdoor venue and playing records and getting that immediate feedback. You know, not that I need instant gratification or not of that age, you know, but um, but nonetheless, it, it is nice. You know, I watched you on IG during the pandemic and, you know, and still do. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people, creative people did things and adapted. And, and I think people, I know people appreciated what you guys did because, you, you know, you're yeah. not, you're not making any money. You're probably trying to keep yourself sane and, uh, you know, things like that. But uh, thank you very much for your time and no your doubt. contributions to the culture. It was truly an honor having you on Sneaker Dash. I... I'll continue to follow your work and share it with my friends and family. All right. I'll brother peace. Sir. Thank you so much. Take care. Right. Thanks again to Bobito for finding some time to come on Sneaker Dads. In addition to the various projects he mentioned, be sure to check out his show with Stretch Armstrong on Apple Music. I also want to thank the listeners again. You guys keep Sneaker Dads going strong. You can find me at John Ratner on Twitter, Heads Ain't Ready on Instagram, and Sneaker Dads is on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. We have a lot more great guests coming up, as well as a lot more special projects coming, so keep it locked. Thanks for listening. Later.